0: This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Vogue. Welcome everybody, my
1: name is Joris Peels of 3dprint.com, and this is the 3D Pod, and with me today is Maxwell Vogue of 3Doodler.
0: Hey everyone.
1: And uh, today, Max and myself are going to be discussing the fourth industrial revolution. Talked about extensively for the last couple of years, the fourth industrial revolution is going to change how things are made and is going to be sweep through the earth. But how realistic is it? What is actually going on and what do Max and myself think is actually going to happen in the years to come? So Max, what do you think, uh, well when you hear the the, the, the fourth industrial revolution, what, what, do you, what do you think of?
0: I mean it- it does remind me of the cover of the Economist with the the violin, the perfect Stradivarius that they're claiming. One day, this will be able to be printed at home. I, I think, as often, it was part of a big hype during a period, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that uh, we we want it to happen on some level. But I don't think I think we're still a number of years away from seeing it. Implemented on a large enough scale to really call it a revolution. How about you? What do you do? You think that it's here?
1: Um, I think what we're well, the industrial, uh, the fourth industrial revolution, to me, is this idea that you make one of everything in the precise shape you need without needing stalk or anything like that, using a completely digital supply chain.
0: Oh, so a totally on-demand system is what you yeah. mean? but Yeah. To okay. me to me, that's what that's what
1: I'd like to define it as because that would be the most complete way to see it, like like a completely digital supply chain where when you you manufacture just in time uh, and you manufacture instead of making a million of something, you make one of something just for Sarah or Tim or the perfect item for that person.
0: When it's needed as it's needed. Yeah,
1: And if we look at it that way, if we just find it like that, to me then, okay, we're seeing in dental with bridges and things like that, with hearing aids, we're there uh, and outside of that, nearly nowhere. So I would agree with you it's, it's it's we're not there yet we're not close to it being there yet. Uh, well so
0: in that in that definition do yeah. you is it the machine should be doing everything right or is it still need a human being behind it? So for example like prosthetics you could argue mm-hmm. how prosthetics are 3D printed and we only make the prosthetic that is needed for the individual mm-hmm. therefore it would be covered by this concept of the revolution, mm-hmm. but you still need a person to take it off the print bed and then assemble the pieces together and install mm-hmm. the motors and do all that. So, mm-hmm. is, is it really is, do we count that? Fa- same with like teeth with a dental bridge or something like that. You still need the doctor to clean up the print and then install it in your mouth. Yeah, uh, well,
1: installing your mouth, I think I hope the dentist will still do it. Well, yeah. <laughs> sure.
0: You never know. A nice robot arm, a <laughs> uh, good uh-huh. camera. Um, <laughs>
1: I hope not. But but I mean uh, but I think I think you know one of the things is that there is way too much post processing a third of part costs or more are related to post processing and, and and things like yeah, removing things from the build tray and stuff and I'm, and it's clear that this revolution thing cannot happen if that is still the case. It's just not you know if you look at DMLS you've got a guy with a brush trying to brush titanium dust off of a build platform. And then a guy has to take like a flex, you know, one of the, like a circular saw and cut it all. Yeah, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, or in the powder buildings.
0: printers, you need a vacuum cleaner to suck it up. Yeah. Like I know, like Shapeways, for example, has a number of these great printers, but they have a whole yeah. department dedicated to cleaning the prints up afterwards.
1: Yeah. So I think I think that's it's kind of like, you know, we're kind of like uh, Henry Ford has like looked at this whole idea of the meat hooks and and and, and thought of the assembly line, but we haven't implemented the assembly line. Right. Uh, more with feeling.
0: Yeah, and we, don't, we still don't have really circuit-printing machines. Yeah. I mean, there, there are pick-and-place mm-hmm. things that can do PCBs, but that's on a factory-level industrial scale for making, again, millions of units of something at one go rather than a smaller machine that can make one PCB and then put the chips on the PCB and then install it inside of some plastic shell or add a motor or something of that nature. I think yeah. the robot arms are coming. Which is what you need. You need like a good six axis arm that's uh-huh. low cost and reasonable, and you could stick it in a, a room with some other stuff. But I think we're still missing some of those components before we can really claim this as a as the revolution has come, so to speak. We're still we know what we need. We just haven't fully developed it, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lack of systems integrators in additive manufacturing 3D printing. There's no one really specialized in setting up. SMS group is trying to do it, I think, and some other people have some experience for themselves that they're keeping a secret. It's like all proprietary, but nobody really, you can't go to like this one-stop shop and say, please, I would like a 3D printing factory Right. Um, in polymers for hearing aids, whatever, and then no one could do it for you. So there's no real turnkey solutions in, in, in automation and in, in the whole software thing.
0: You know. The the one thing I think that is being done on a larger scale, though, is uh, inlet insoles for shoes. Uh, Those are being printed by some of the more the rubber printers, and then they have um, uh, what are they called? A belt that basically moves the print forwards and then drops the sole into a box. So it's closer, but it's yeah, we're still looking at once again a solid physical object that's being created.
1: Yeah, totally, but it is being created in a super inefficient way with like two, three right. post-processing steps, and 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 it still, you know, it's it's amazing to me that still it, the thing is being dragged around. The production facility usually laying on a piece of paper to identify it. And and a person still has to put it in a box and put the UPS shipping label on it and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, we're still very far away from And then, you know, then you can get, start getting, you know, I don't know if you, you can't get parity in cost, but I think you would get like real, you know, speed advantages and stock advantages. You know, I, I don't think, you know, China will always be able to make a million things cheaper than we can make one thing in, in, in Western Europe or the States but it'll take eight to 16 weeks, right? Uh, and it'll take all this upfront investment and you'll tie up all your capital in in, in you know the molds and tooling and then the, the stock you'll have. And I think there's a, a more efficient way to enter a new market to develop something and to, and to to tie up less of your capital, not to me it's 3D printing.
0: Oh, I mean, like if you could have like a cargo container that had everything you needed and you could then yeah. drop it off in a country and say, here you go, mm-hmm. now is the new widget that everyone wants. Mm-hmm. And spit mm-hmm. it out, be it the iPhone or some other device, like then yeah. And if you could do all the development software side, so to speak, before you even print or make the first version and check it out. It, it is an idealized scenario. But I agree that we're we're still far a long ways away.
1: Um, no, I totally. do I mean, we wouldn't have to make, you know, everything. I mean I mean the, the thing is what I don't know is is of the things that are we have in our world. You know what are the things so okay besides hearing aids and things that custom fit our body right so gloves specialized sports gloves i don't know tennis rackets steering wheels shoes uh, shoes nets, yeah,
0: things like that.
1: hats braces of all kinds chairs seats for cars those are the obvious things to me anything that's made to fit your body i'm pretty sure we're the we're the cheapest technology uh to do that so for that uh, i'm pretty sure we're going to be the default technology but that's not exactly, you know, a lot of the things in our world. So I, I wouldn't know what beyond that it would be a suitable uh, thing for a 3D printing business case. I mean, do, do you think it's going to stop or, or do you believe that we're going to do mass manufactured stuff as well or, or, or you know, do oh, you I, know think, it's-
0: I think in 20 years or something of that nature, when all the pieces are together, I can fully see uh, a situation where you can kind of have a, a room in in the local office, so to speak. Uh, making on demand product of an electronics nature, even, you know, it could even go as far as, uh, you know, you get the license to do Star Trek or something of that nature. And then you're the one that's making um, the Star Trek pieces or characters and, and that they're good enough that you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between a 3d printed version and, you know, an old injection molded version. And then you are only keeping stock and making what you need when you need it. But, I mean, everything has to speed up as well as get more simplistic Mm -hmm. because you have to be able to print the stuff in an hour, let's say, something complicated with colors that doesn't require much more than a person then sticking in a box or a robot arm sticking in a box and then sealing the box up and sending it out. But I don't, yeah, I, I think it can get quite extensive. I could even see, to be quite honest, like laptops and things of that nature being produced on demand rather than being mass-produced because it's just it's all components, right? If you have all the pieces ready to go, then there's no reason that 3d printing plus a robot arm and solder and whatnot, you couldn't make these really complicated objects. but it, yeah. it does need to be all put together. What I'd love to see is also like farming on some level, using uh-huh. the 3d printing systems to do uh-huh. um, concentrated farming. But, uh, which is just another form of manufacturing, to be quite
1: honest. I like the idea that, that it also should extend into farming and kind of this robot farming thing and using the same technology that we would need to do that to, you know, seed things, to monitor the colors of uh, leaves and things like that. And, and I like the idea that, that, that essentially would be a lot of the same technology that you would be needed to create anyway. But if you sum it up like that, I mean, the laptop thing does seem a little bit really complicated.
0: Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the far end, right? The day you have a machine that can uh, make a laptop from scratch, yeah. I think then you could say, like, the industrial, yeah. the fourth industrial revolution has come and gone. Like, we now live yeah. with it.
1: But we're thinking of the hard stuff. I mean, do we really need
0: to do the hard stuff? Like uh, No, it's true. We don't need to do the hard stuff. If we can eliminate a lot of or just go back, down to some of the more basics and simple stuff. I mean, toys is a great one, right? Like, it's, yeah. They're consumable. They're relatively simple. If I think you, it's
1: horrifying by the way that you just said that toys are consumable.
0: But they, but they are. It's a consumable yeah. industry. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't love it. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, we at 3Doodler don't try and, you know, 3Doodlers aren't consumable like that. But yeah. the action figures and the toy trucks and things of that nature... Are mm-hmm. often toys that children play with for 15 minutes and then never play with again. Those those are the worst of the toy industries, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. not, you know violators, so to speak, of the consumable level of of children's toys. But if you think about all the other things, crayons and markers, uh, yeah. those are all consumable toys. Crayola uh, makes all the crayons currently uh, at a factory in Pennsylvania because it's easy and cheap to make. You know, wax colored. Things.
1: oh just scary I mean I have a Lego that, that my little nephews now play with and that's like you know that's from when I was a kid I'd love the, that kind of stuff to, to, to last a little bit longer and getting back to the like a little bit more about the the, the fourth industrial Revolution I, I still think of it as something that takes place in a factory maybe there's one in the north of Holland or one in the Netherlands or something but still I, I think of it as a factory thing do you still believe that it's going to be something that's you know happening at your local post office or in somebody's home or
0: I don't think it's going to be someone's home. I mean, I hear you on the, on the factory scale, but once again, what it also means is a reduction in the number of workers that are needed to operate a factory and mm-hmm, make it more efficient. Everyone always likes to say how in the United States, you know, we've, we've, we've shipped all our manufacturing overseas when actually we're producing twice as much today than when we were in the 80s. It's mm-hmm. just that we don't need as many people. Because we're, automation is is coming in so hardcore. And I guess, in truth, the fourth industrial revolution is more really about automation. Mm-hmm. Um, and 3D printers are just one component of that automation. You know, you look at a car assembly line right now, and it has majority robots putting together the car. So yep. if we want to argue on that side of it, you could say that the industrial revolution has happened and it started in the 80s. Was when 3D printers were also invented, uh, and then really came to fruition in the 90s. And then in the 2000s, it's kind of everywhere to the point where you just don't even notice it uh, on the factory level. But having said that, that's really in rich industrial countries like Japan, the United States, uh, a lot of Europe, the EU, the United Kingdom, whereas you're only just beginning to see automation on those scales in markets like in China or in Southern Asia. Um, and you really don't see it in like Bangladesh or in India or markets like that. Mm-hmm. It's coming, but I don't think it's mm-hmm. there yet. So yeah. do we define it as it's when everyone's that's the only way you think of manufacturing or as, as it's happened or it's happening? Or
1: yeah. What, what I think is interesting of what you just said is that is that uh, um, on the one hand, you know, it is, you know, this out of the 3D printing part of this is really, really small. And I think it's really good to be humble and good to, for us to, to, to see ourselves as part of like, you know, really a small part of this total digitization of manufacturing uh, effort. So I think that's really important. But I think what you also now touched on is, is a bit of the, some kind of like the fallout or the externalities of this uh, of this uh, fourth industrial revolution. But I think it'd be interesting to talk about. So on the one hand, we don't see a lot of automation right now in in, in poorer countries in southern Asia, and that's where manufacturing moved when China got or parts of China got too expensive, right? Yeah. But if we look at Japan and Korea uh, and uh, yeah, some of the wealthier parts of China. You know, first they started making plastic flowers or whatever cheap stuff, and yeah. then moved up the value chain, right? The 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 dad works in the factory all of his life on an assembly line. His daughter's an engineer. That's the kind of uh, and and uh, their granddaughter is now a designer, right? That's Our kind of like doctor or lawyer, yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's in, in the goes. services industry because that's yeah. the only thing they have afterwards. So that development is really great. And one of my biggest worries about this fourth industrial revolution thing is that, well, there's already lots of factories in Vietnam and stuff, and countries like that are already making, like, Canon lenses and Nikon, Nikon stuff, you know, fine mechanical stuff as well. But, so there it'll continue to happen, but in other countries, it won't, right? We're going to take all of our manufacturing and put it in a low carbon in Europe, and it's going to be wonderful, and then meanwhile... The guys in Africa will not get the chance to develop by uh, uh, industrialization like everyone else has.
0: But by making it low carbon and easy, then it's easier to like throw it into a country somewhere in like South Africa or something like that to have them do it. It's just that you're right that it won't go through that phase where you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of people involved on an assembly line system getting a consistent job and then earning money.
1: But there are other ways
0: to develop yeah. an economy. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know, we, we've, 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 for the last, God, 200 years, have mm-hmm. been really stuck in that style of developing an economy where, yeah. you know, it, it actually starts with children, right? <laughs> That's who you ask. Yeah. <laughs> if we go back uh, yeah. to the United States' this first industrial revolution in the UK, they, they have little kids at the factory uh, uh, earning a steady wage to then go... And then have adults be doing it, and then over time, yeah, you stabilization, and then you increase your wealth, and then you increase your children's wealth, and so forth and so on. But I think you're you're starting to see the opposite effects, like in the United States, right, where we have done automation, but the it's increasing the poverty divide. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like there are more people. If you don't at least finish high school now in the United States, the number of opportunities for you to work for where you can work is dramatically decreasing because there's just simply less opportunities. And with automation, it makes that so. Like you used to be able to go work at the auto plant in the fifties and the sixties, but you just without even a high school diploma. But now but you, you can
1: send that. your kids to college, buy yeah, a house. You
0: could, exactly. Everything. You could buy a house, you could earn enough, you could do all that. So yeah, I think in some level you're right that uh by bringing it all and making it awesome and happy from the one perspective of decreasing the carbon footprint and making it automated, you're also affecting the d- potential growth of, of other economies that are under currently underdeveloped globally.
1: Yeah, and also maybe even there's like going to be a digital manufacturing divide as well between yeah some skilled labor uh, or, or people who are good at quality control or something like that, and then other people that don't have that statistics background or something are going to not be able to do anything.
0: Well, I mean, part of the hope is that it, the tools to make the things will become easier, and therefore the barriers for people who have concepts or ideas and then want to bring them to market would be an easier process. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, I know. I, I think uh, I'm really worried about the Wall E universe. You know,
1: the yeah. the just <laughs> you know, getting fatter in a big chair and you exactly. don't do anything, and then yeah. uh, and then, then you know, of course, the, 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 there 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 will be a lot of inequality in a
0: world like that. Yeah, because uh-huh. the haves and the haves-nots will just get yeah, yeah, will get bigger. The divide will get even bigger, which is a global problem right now. And even you know, in some level, you could argue that three D printing will help to bring that down and democratize it all and make it affordable and easy. But people always find ways to create the illusion of scarcity of resources, um, mm-hmm. in addition to there actually being scarce resources. You
1: know, ideally. You know, attention would be scarce and labor and and, and and skill. And we could see someone from Ghana selling their design skill directly to everyone else, right?
0: Yeah, so I mean, the- that, yeah, that would be through the Internet. Exactly. Like uh, someone in Ghana comes up with a concept, does all the 3D on an older laptop because it doesn't need to be the newest, latest, greatest thing in order to do stuff in 3D and then sells that to a factory in the Netherlands and then the Netherlands actually make the product and then a percentage of that goes back to the designer who invented it. Or they spot it outright or something of that nature. But lots yeah. of different ways that you could organize that.
1: I, lo- I would love for that to happen because it, 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 there are a lot of people in this world that make like, you know, uh, less than $2,000 uh, uh, a year or something like that and that still have access to via phones and things, the internet. So there is a... a well, there's, Okay, first of all, there's a... A recipe, there's also a recipe for exploitation, right? Yeah. but at the same time, that that group who's educated, speak English, uh, know how to do uh, technological things in the broader sense that could be really helped by a fourth industrial re- revolution in, in, in selling their skills directly to everyone else.
0: Hey, yeah. you could even Google Translate English may not even be the requirement, it's no. just having a concept, yeah. and being able to convey it. But yeah, I, I'm with you that it would that would be. An idealized way of solving the overall problem of how to, yeah. you know, we don't need a factory to then come in or an industry to come into a country or a region in order to develop it, to get that first kickstart of a generation to one generation to manufacturing and the next generation to be able to afford the ability to go to school through the previous generation of manufacturing. It does require a bit of a rethink, and oftentimes it causes people to be afraid and scared. And, and so... They want to pull back, but that's a common theme globally these days.
1: Do we see that uh, the world is going to transition
0: to to the
1: Industrial Revolution, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and is that going to change the competitive landscape, or is it just going to be the same companies doing different processes?
0: Oh, I think you'll see new companies come into the space, and I think you'll see different, uh, you know, the same, like Amazon didn't exist 20, 30 years ago, right? And now it's one of the largest companies, and Apple... Um, Made just tiny computers, but they invented, or they invented, they made the smartphone better, uh, and therefore, like, kind of took over that whole market and became something cool. So I, I think there's always room for things like companies to come in and find niches that didn't exist before. I mean, even in the 3D print industry, it's it's had it had a moment where there were thousands of little companies floating around all making 3D printers uh, mm-hmm. in the mid aughts you know the it reminded me a lot of the computer revolution for the home computer revolution Uh, in Massachusetts there's um, a highway called route 128 and during the 80s route 128 had several hundred small computer companies um, and everyone was making their own little computer and out of that came you know deck or digital uh, and a couple other companies, who then basically are the main companies that do computing, and then most of them died in the end. And now, you know, you have Dell and a couple others. But the point being is that there's always room, especially when new technology like this happens, you will see a burst of companies that all have kind of similar ideas and similar concepts and similar ways of achieving it happening at the same time. And then over time, a bunch of them will die off, and then one or two big ones will kind of emerge out of that as the industry leaders. Okay. And once they get complacent, and if they don't then purchase other smaller companies that are coming up with new ideas, then a smaller company will come up with a new better idea and out overtake them, is the hope and the idea of you
1: know. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's what everybody nearly universally accepts that to be true. That's right. like everyone believes that's going to happen. There'll be a mass die-off of these companies. I mean, I think you know. On the one hand, it depends how you see it. If you see it as like web design companies or web development companies, there's a ton of small ones that have existed and and still continue to exist. And it's precious for really large businesses. So if you see it as and that's a custom making. Uh, Business—it's all about the relationship and stuff like that. So I think that's a really interesting alternative paradigm to look at. Uh, that is good. Yeah, that is a good alternative paradigm to look at.
0: Um, if you're making it easy to manufacture to the point where you more care about the one-on-one relationship and its personalization, then if if that's the goal of future manufacturing, or if that's an industry that can develop, then I think that's an industry that we'll see develop actually, which would be really cool actually to see a whole. <laughs> bunch of your like local, <laughs> your yeah. local maker
1: yeah exactly your local neighborhood maker and he's just like making stuff and uh and you just go in and it's kind of like uh yeah you know, what do you want you i know? need this and thing
0: then, that does this thing okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be this much how many do you need <laughs>
1: yeah exactly would you like that in purple
0: you know <laughs> then, that
1: would be really amazing i mean uh, I, I, I i don't even know if i really believe it but i want this to be true
0: I mean, I would love that to be true. That would yeah. be very cool.
1: Just a little guy with glasses, like a whole yeah, bunch Co- of like Coke data. bottle glasses. You
0: know, and yeah.
1: it's got, like, a whole wall of snap-on tools behind him.
0: <laughs> you'd be expensive, I, though. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a guy on uh, 11th Street in New York City between yeah. 1st and A. He makes yeah. rubber stamps, and they're beautiful. And he's got millions of these rubber stamps in his tiny little downstairs like shop. Uh, and every time I'm like, oh, I want to get one of those, and I go in, and I ask for a stamp, and then he tells me how much one stamp will cost, and I go, never mind. <laughs>
1: so how much is a stamp, though?
0: It's like 50 to
1: $75. Oh, uh, you can you could spring for it, dude.
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to get, like, like 10 or 20 for, like, a gift for, for people. Yeah. Then, you know, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that's yeah. the other, the flip of it is, is that um, it costs more when you're getting ones ors onesie and you're having one person do it. But if you're doing something that doesn't exist, then mm-hmm. how do you define the cost? Which is great. I, I, I'm all for it, is what I'm saying. But the flip of it is it also means that uh, the smaller scale stuff should still be more expensive. The time it but takes. But maybe we wouldn't
1: mind, right? Maybe with the no, staff no, thing. If, yeah,
0: if you need a machine that does something that doesn't currently exist, then,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, then heck yeah.
1: One of the, the key elements is this mass customization thing. The idea that you can get consumers to design, co design, or select exactly the product that they want. And uh, you know, the, and then the the first experiments in this are the Nike ID, I think there's Mongolian shoe barbecue from Puma, which this nothing is a hilarious name. And and these kind of things where, you know, essentially what they're doing is pick a color and put your name on it. You know, do you believe in this whole mass customization thing? Do you think it's gonna be a huge thing? Is it going to be a better better thing or is it kind of like a non starter?
0: I think there are limits to it. You you can do customization, but you have to be very limited in what kind of things you can customize. So, like, you can pick three colors, and you mm-hmm. can pick this, that, or this, you know, but the problem happens when you give people too many options or too many choices that their brains tend to shut down, and you become oh. less good at making decisions. So the classic example, I know there have been several studies done for cereal. You know, you go walk down the cereal aisle and there are so many choices that you actually then can't make a, a choice Then you spend five ten minutes being like which cereal do i want there's a hundred different choices so you can customize but you have to limit the level of customization otherwise consumers will get caught up in the in the customization and then yeah. won't actually buy or purchase the product Because they'll obsess over it, or they won't, it's too hard, there's too many choices, and so forth and
1: so on. Yeah, this paradox of choice thing I think is really uh, significant. I think also what what I call this blank canvas problem that, yeah, you don't make any choice at all.
0: Right, Uh, exactly. You you give someone a blank chance if you walk away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and uh, or, or, or they get disappointed in what they do or it becomes too difficult for them emotionally as well. I mean, if we're talking about designing clothes and stuff, you know, as opposed to choosing, you know, what kind of nut or fruit you want in your cereal. Uh, right. It might actually be really disappointing if, 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 if your, your friends think that the polo you made is ugly. Right. The, the
0: orange is not your color.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Part of me wants this to, to, to happen. And part of me thinks it's super useful, again, for the things that fit our body, you know, like golf gloves or
0: something, you know. Right.
1: But I also don't know if it's something that everyone will do, like as in like the, the, the you know, several billion people that have access to that kind of technology.
0: It also comes down to like what is the product. Right? I mean, there are certain products like you just don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Do I do I care about a box or a clothing mm-hmm. hanger or, you know, things that are kind of utility but I don't have to think about it or that aren't exposed and they're not, they're not status symbols they're just functional things. So then it becomes less about like, do I want to choose? Do I want to customize something like that? Do I just not want to care and not think about it?
1: Yeah. I think for a lot of products, I mean, I know friends of mine that buy clothes essentially by the kilo or the meter, you know, right. just go in, like <laughs> I need three sweaters that fit me, two jeans that fit me and a t-shirt and go, you know, they don't, they're not going to you know, design their own shirt. Yeah, you know, no, like,
0: I am I'm, I'm one of those people. I go clothes shopping once every 2 to 3 years. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. like, I just don't consume uh, clothing. Like
1: yeah. that. Uh, exactly. But, but, but you you yeah, you're not, you're not going to do that, but maybe somebody who who sees this as a fun activity.
0: Sure, then they would do it.
1: Yeah. You know, for them, I think I think I think it could be a really exciting activity. I think it could also be really profitable, right? If you have a shirt that fits someone perfectly and has their logo on it or something and they feel really comfortable with it. A lot of people will never change, you
0: know? No, it's true. Uh, you'll get brand loyalty and you'll get like people wanting it like that and then they'll just reorder that all the time. Yeah. Um,
1: or if you've gone through the trouble to customize it, it takes an hour and you have to go to the store and it looks right. how you
0: walk, three
1: scan it and all you're not gonna do that again. So the more difficult the customization is, the more you'll like the product, uh, the higher your affect for it. Also the less likely I think you are to find a replacement product.
0: I mean, there are already some retail outlets and clothing is a great example, one of this where it's like there are companies like bonobos and like there are a couple others where you have to you go into a store and you can try on the clothing or look at the clothing, but you don't actually get the clothing right then and there. You purchase it online, and they yeah. help you purchase it online. It's very easy and conceivable to see how you could convert some of those stores into having a body scanner. And then the clothing could be made, you know, by a 3D print knitting machine, which Uh those have started. And then, therefore, you could do customized clothing. So a model exists, is what I'm saying, and that it can easily be adapted under the current models of stores that just sell online, but they still have physical outlets Mm -hmm. to help you make your selection. What
1: What do you think generally? I mean, do you think, so if we're looking at this, we're both, I think, you know, kind of skeptical about this really happening. I think, I think you know, we're I'm, all...
0: I'm, I, I think it'll happen in the long run, but yeah. I it's a question of time. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, uh, you know, automated cars. Like I'd love to see those, too. <laughs> I keep telling my wife we're not buying another a new car until the, uh-huh. it can drive itself. Uh, I do think it's happening, but that in, it's going to take 10 to 20 years before we see what we're talking about, where you know, in in 2040, I can see walking down a street in a in a major city and being able to purchase something and then being told to come back 20 minutes later or 10 minutes later to pick it up because it's got to be made. But I, I still think that it's there's a lot of stuff that's missing to get to that level that still needs to happen. But well, I think people the, are working on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but to me the the the, the... I'm super skeptical of the AI uh, car thing. Uh, oh, really?
0: I'm less yeah. skeptical of that, actually. Yeah,
1: oh, really? No, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You know, there is a lawyer somewhere who's just heard that he's going to get a chance to sue either Apple or Google, right? Come on. Yeah,
0: no, it's... Uh... <laughs> um... Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, you look at like uh, plane crashes. Well, you know, they're often the it's often pilot error these days because the automated systems are so much better. Admittedly, you're not. It's not, You know, other than a mountain, what are you running into in the sky? Um, so, yeah. and there still can be flaws. Obviously, the the Boeing uh, current current uh, headache, um, and tra- travesty, but uh, I think that automated cars can actually save a huge number of lives. Not to mention that we don't actually have to own them. That it, it's another way of having it as like a floating car um, that anyone can use kind of thing. But I, I think the technology is a lot closer on, on the automated cars. I think that's five years away.
1: I keep thinking we're like as, as a, in Eintub and we have these like robot automated buses, right? Mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be awesome <laughs> we're supposed to lead the world in automated bus driving or something i don't know and then at one point like one of these things like something went wrong with the system and it crashed and it was like, it was like on the, the front cover of the local newspaper <laughs> And then we didn't have any robot buses anymore. <laughs> yeah,
0: all it takes is one crash, and then no one wants to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: So I don't, there's much more
0: to, to that story
1: than that. just that, of course. I'm right. Yeah. Find this well. but, but still, I, I still kind of have this feeling in my head that, 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 that all it takes is just some bad PR or, or something. There's, there's
0: definitely just, a legal hurdle to get over. And what I think we'll actually see sooner is automated trucking. Um, yeah. And I think in the next five, 10 years, we will see a vast majority of the trucking industry replaced with automated vehicles, which, you know, means quite a number of people are going to lose their jobs, unfortunately. But at the same time, it will make like trucking safer and easier and faster. But I think think that I think the automated vehicles are closer than than uh, what we were talking about earlier about, you know, uh, printing clothing or printing physical objects uh, like in a shop above. Uh, the shop that sells it.
1: Oh, really? uh, yeah, okay. I would take it all the way around. I mean, at least for a niche, at least for like, a you know, some people, some of the time. Now, although I'm really like super skeptical of the 3D printing fashion as well.
0: Yeah. Or, or even if it's knickknacks or something, even if we're using current 3D printers, you know, I've yeah. seen stores and I know of like, there's like that crystallography stuff where you can yeah. get a scan and then it, it creates a three-dimensional image inside of a crystal. Um, they have it at, museums and airports and things like that
1: just as in summation then i mean what do you think is going to happen you think 20 years from now this is going to be a normal thing or a niche thing or or, or, i think 20
0: years it'll be a normal thing i think it'll be a normalized thing in the sense that both on an an industrial scale where there will be facilities that are heavily automated using a combination of 3d printers robot arms and uh, a whole bunch of stuff to make bigger more impressive kind of stuff, like your laptops and your phones and things. Um, But I think that they can be localized and that they can be, you know, they're smaller than what you would need currently to do all of that. And that the whole vertical uh, is kind of integrated into that smaller space. And then you'll also see like knickknack shops and fabric and all sorts of things like that being automated above the retailers that below that are doing the designing of it that's i do think we'll see that in 20 years i think in five years we'll see automated cars like all over the damn place uh so that's my prediction okay. if i'm gonna bet on it how about yourself what do you what do you think
1: uh i don't know about the automated cars i really don't know <laughs> how about that really to say anything but uh so on the, on the the 3d printing side i think i would agree with you uh, generally that we, we, we're for things that fit us so things that are important to us and things that fit our body well, we're going to see localized production in cities of uh, things like insoles, shoes, um, and things that fit us. And we're going to see, you know, people solving technological problems for most people uh, in, in in certain niche areas. Uh, on top of that, I do believe there will be national or at least regional, depending on the size of your country, uh, kind of centers where we see a lot of production, a lot of just-in-time items that fit into production, uh, that fit into the supply chains of technological goods made in that area at that time for either B2B customers and also for B2C. And we'll see a lot of 3D printing used uh, extensively in, in, in intermediates and in places like aerospace and in prosthetics. I don't Really necessarily believe that 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 it's going to be that widespread in use in electronics. Uh, I still think it'd be faster to kind of make the whole laptop and then just customize the stuff that people see, you know, or whatever. Maybe make
0: the motherboard or something. Yeah, I know. I get really yeah. With that. yeah. So I don't know well, about that. I mean, I- although now you've just put this image in my head of what I really want is a an assembly line that has multiple products being made at the same time on the same line. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. So
1: yeah. they they do that to a certain extent with with, with cars, which is still the, one of the best business cases for mass customization, where they make they millions of different permutations, and every single automobile is is, is very very different, and, and and sometimes they make entirely different, or you know, for the large part different automobiles on the same line, same factory and things.
0: No, but I mean I mean like I want to see a car, and then I want to see oh, like, a okay, jet okay, okay. ski, okay. and then I want to see yeah, you know, like that kind <laughs> of uh, that'd oh, be fun. Awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't know about that. I mean, I just don't no, no. I, I think that's
0: I, that's further out. But uh, yeah. I, I have just say that would be an amazing sight to see. As someone who comes from a world where I watch like the same product roll down an assembly line and you know go through all the stations and make sure every every person and every robot is like doing their job the right way, kind of thing, it, it would blow my mind on some level to see like multiple products coming through that are vastly different and then have have them still being worked on as if, on some level, as if they were the same product.
1: Uh, Max, thank you so much again for your fun uh, entertaining uh, chat. You
0: Joris, always fun.
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for Maxwell Vogue for being here. My name is Joris Peels and uh, this is another episode of the 3D Pod and uh, today we're discussing the fourth industrial revolution. If you have any questions for us, um, please let us know. If you have any feedback on how we can improve and make this more engaging and more fun and and higher quality, please do tell us as well. And uh, thank you very much and tune in next time.